This past October 17, 2021, I preached a message called The Mark of the Beast and COVID Vaccines. Hopefully some of you will remember that. I, I almost did not, I almost did not preach that message because I was concerned that a few of you might say something like, Pastor Nick, why would you preach on a subject like that? So I still went ahead and I delivered that message because I felt there was a need, a need for me to speak on it. Well, I checked with YouTube, and you might be interested to know that so far there have been almost, almost 46,000 people who have viewed that message. The message, the mark of the beast and COVID vaccines. So I'm glad I went ahead and preached it, all right? On Sunday, January 23rd of this year, 2022, today it is obviously February the 6th, but on January 23rd, I preached on the subject of the rapture, part one. Now today we're going to move into part two. So I want to ask you to kindly turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13 to 18 and chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. If you are able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. And here is what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, so encourage each other with these words. Going into chapter 5. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Let's end our reading there. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for your holy word. Lord, as we turn to this part of your holy Bible once again, open up our minds and hearts to the truth that you want us to know, you want us to live by, you want us to prepare for, you want us to be touched by, you want us to be corrected by, you want us to be inspired by and led by. Touch the hearts of your people here in the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Sanctuary, those watching, viewing online here in Canada, the U.S., and different countries around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Please feel free to be seated. All right. In the rapture, part one, we discovered the following. Just, this is just a little review. Number one, number one, we said that rapture means to be caught up, to be snatched away, to be carried off speedily. Quickly, that's what's going to happen. Our English word rapture is derived from the Latin word raptus, found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, where we just read from. And it's found in, uh, in the Latin Bible, raptus is found in the Latin Bible called the Vulgate, the Vulgate. Now, in the previous message, I told you the name of the person who translated the Bible from the Hebrew and the Greek into the Latin. Uh, anyone remember the name of the gentleman that the Pope asked to translate the Bible into Latin? Anyone remember? Shout it out. Anyone remember? All right. It was Jerome. Okay, Jerome. J-E-R-O-M-E. He started the translation from the Hebrew and the Greek in 382, and he finished around 405, which means it took him about 23 years. It's a long time, but when you're translating the Bible, you have to do it very carefully, very wisely, and he probably had some assistance from other Bible scholars along the way as well. All right, so the second truth that we communicated in part one was this. We said that the fact of Jesus' death and resurrection guarantees Christian believers we will, that we will experience, it guarantees that we will experience the joy of the rapture. That's from verses 13 and 14. Then thirdly, thirdly, we said uh, Christian believers who have died will be raptured first. They're going first, all right? That's from verses, 14 and, uh, verses 15 and 16. And then we said that Christian believers who are still alive, that's us, will be raptured next, according to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 17 and 18. Well, before we continue, here is an explanation of why the King James Version, the King James translation of the Bible, which was done in 1611, by the way, uh, why that translation uh, uses the word falling, falling asleep, okay, instead of died. Uh, those of you who have the King James Version will see in your Bibles the passage of Scripture that we just read from, and it talks about, uh, what about Christians who have, who have fallen asleep, okay? First um, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 in the New Living Translation, which normally is what I preach from, 
verse 13 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Believers who have died. But as I said, the King James Version says, But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep. All right? And verse 14 in the King James translation says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus, sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. Uh, In the King James Version, verse 15 again, the word asleep is used instead of death. All right? Now, this part of our Bible was originally written in Greek. And in fact, in fact, if the Greek is translated literally, the Greek does say, the Greek does say that the Christians are sleeping, are sleeping. But it means they had actually died. And commenting on this issue of sleep, a wonderful scholar by the name of Dr. Robert Thomas beautifully says, beautifully says in regards to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, he says this, he says, those who sleep is an expression chosen in lieu of or in place of the dead. Because, why? Because of, because of death's temporary nature. Because of death's temporary nature for Christians. Though, though the pagans use sleep as a metaphor for death, it is especially appropriate for Christians because of our assured bodily resurrection. Because of the assurance that we have of being resurrected, of being raptured. Paul had previously taught the Thessalonians about the resurrection in chapter 1, verse 10, for example. Well, the early Christians had a wonderful word for the burying places of the dead. They had a wonderful and unique word. The Greek word is koimeterion. Koimeterion. Technicians, you don't have that uh, in, your, in your file there. But uh, koimeterion in, in English would be spelled K-O-I-M-E-T-E-R-I-O-N. N, okay? So the Greek word is koimeterion, and it means, it means dormitory or resting place. Uh, it means a rest house for strangers or a sleeping place. It, it is the same word, it's the same word from which we get our English word, guess what? Cemetery. All right? Same word that we get it, uh, from cemetery. The same word was used in the first. Listen to this. It was the same word used in the first century for things like inns or hotels or or motels. Like nowadays, you know, we have Travel Lodge, Holiday Inn, Best Western, not too far from us here, from Rosewood Church, for example. And the same word was used for cemeteries um, that, that was used for hotels. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, by the way, says, uh, quote, he says, when you stay at a hotel, you expect to get up the next day and continue your journey. This is the picture of the place where you bury your beloved loved ones. The body of the believer has kind of been put in a hotel 
until the rapture. Isn't that an interesting thought? Well, he's over there in the hotel at the cemetery. <laughs> you know, that, that would start a conversation if you wanted to have a conversation, wouldn't it? Right? One day, one day, Jesus is going to rapture believers and, and those bodies, these bodies of ours, will be raised up and transformed. So, the main truth that we have to remember is just as physically, just as physically, um, we sleep and we expect to await the next day in the hotel where we are staying. So as Christians, when we die, we can be assured, we can be assured that one day we will be awakened by the shout of the Lord with the archangel and the trumpet call, and we will come out of those, quote, hotels. <laughs> we'll come out of those hotels and we'll meet the Lord in the air and go to heaven with him. All right? All right. So let's continue now. <clears throat> let's continue now with uh, part two, the rapture. Part two as we further study 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> the first truth. In this part two section that I want you to focus on with me is this. The rapture events will be exciting and incredible. That's right. Exciting and incredible. Look at the first part of verse 16, which says, which says, here it is. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Now that, that verse tells me that obviously Jesus is going to give a big shout. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 25, records Jesus as saying, And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead, listen to this, when the dead will hear, the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. That verse also tells me that the shout will come from Jesus. Then in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus continues to say this. He says, don't be surprised. <clears throat> Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will what? Will hear, will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. All right? Dr. Arnold Earhart says, Dr. Arnold Earhart, Earhart he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he was a, a great Church of the Nazarene Bible scholar. Uh, by the way, when I was in seminary, uh, Nazarene Theological Seminary, I, I had the real privilege of studying with some of the greatest minds, the greatest Bible scholars uh, of any country, any age. Anyway, but Dr. Earhart says, the shout is a word used in the Greek to denote the cry of a commander to his soldiers in combat. 
or a cry by a charioteer to his horses, or by a ship's master to his oarsmen. It is a loud, authoritative summons, exciting and stimulating. It speaks here of Christ as victor, says Dr. Earhart. Isn't that beautiful? Right? The purpose of the shout, the purpose of the shout is to wake up all those who have died. Now, some of you might be thinking, I know how you think, because I think these things too. Some of you might be thinking, Pastor Nick, how in the world is everyone in every grave going to hear the shout of the Lord all at the same time? How is that going to happen? The truth is, I don't know. And no one else knows. But here is what I do know. Okay? Here's what I do know. All of you are able to pick up the phone. You're able to pick up the phone, whether it's a cell phone or, or some other phone, right? And um, you're able to call, dial someone in Jamaica, Barbados, Antigua, Grenada, Haiti, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, St. Kitts, Dominican Republic, Trinidad, Tobago, St. John, Bahamas, St. Martin. If I miss any islands, some of you are going to ball me out, I know. Okay? You are able to call all of these islands and more, and, and unless, unless they have blocked you, <laughs> unless they have blocked you, you're able to get a hold of them, and they will answer your phone call in a few seconds, or when they feel like it. And others of you, of course, have relatives and friends across Canada, the United States, uh, Central America, South America, Guyana, British, um, British Isles, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, Russia, Greece, China, and of course many other countries. And when you dial their number, when you dial their number, unless, unless they have blocked you, they will answer your phone call. And when they answer, some of them on the phone might say, uh, uh, how come you didn't send me that money I asked for? <laughs> right? Yes, I know how things are. Okay. <laughs> now think about this. Think about it. If, if we, <laughs> there's some of you are saying, you're so right, Pastor Dave, <laughs> about that money business. Now, think about it. If, if we simple human beings have the technology to phone someone anywhere in the world, I believe that Jesus, listen, listen, I believe that Jesus, who has made everything, who is the creator, who has Created all things. Amen? I believe that Jesus has the technology to connect with every, every dead person and every grave and every ocean, every place around the world. Amen? If you don't believe that, that's your problem. Okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says... 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. What will that shout be? What is he going to say? Will it be? Will it be? Get up! Or will he shout out as Jesus said to Martha in John eleven twenty five? I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Or will, will Jesus shout out as he shouted out to Lazarus who had been dead for four days? Uh, will he shout out, come out? Uh, the Gospel of John chapter 11, verses 43-44 says, Then Jesus shouted, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Wow. Wow. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus will say when the rapture happens, right? I, I like to think that somewhere, I, I like to think that somewhere along the line there, Maria, I like to think that Jesus will lovingly say, welcome home. Amen? Of course, he says, welcome home. Welcome home. All right. Look at the next part of verse 16. Next part of verse 16. Uh, for those of you taking notes, it's uh, B. All right. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the voice of the archangel. With the voice of the archangel. An archangel is an angel with great authority and leadership. Michael is the only archangel mentioned in the Bible by name. By name. In Daniel uh, chapter 10, verse 13. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 and Jude chapter 1, verse 9. Now, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel? All right. I showed you just a little bit ago that several Bible verses tell us that Jesus is going to speak or shout at the rapture. So when we read this phrase, with the voice of the archangel, does that mean Jesus' voice is going to sound like the voice of the archangel? Uh, there, there's no way of knowing for sure. No way of knowing for sure. Personally, personally, I believe that Jesus will use his own voice, and where the Bible says, with the voice of the archangel, I believe it is saying that this mighty archangel angel will also be speaking. He'll also be speaking, and as Jesus shouts out, um, whatever he shouts out, I believe the archangel is going to be cheering Jesus on. <laughs> the angel, the angel is going to be his main cheerleading body, or cheerleading individual, okay? I believe the archangel is going to be cheering Jesus on and saying things like, amen, praise the Lord, Jesus has come for you. Rise up, all people. Does that make sense? Yes? Yes? All right. Now, 
If you have some different interpretation than, than I have on this issue, it's okay. It's okay. We're still friends. Um, easy to live with. Most of the time. <laughs> All right. Then the next part of verse 16 talks about a trumpet, right? If you're making notes, it's uh, point C. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven uh, with a trumpet call of God. That's a New Living Translation, verse 16, right? With a trumpet call of God. How many of you like trumpets? Not many of you like trumpets? That's too bad. I love trumpets when I played in my high school band. I love trumpet. But for some reason, the music teacher uh, asked me to play oboe. And most of you don't know what oboe is, but that's okay. That's okay. And anyway, anyway, uh, with a trumpet call of God, all right, Dr. Arnold Earhart says, the trumpet call of God, quote, characteristically accompanies and denotes in Scripture the importance, the solemnity, or the majesty of great religious occasions. In other words, the rapture, the rapture will be what? It's going to be majestic. It's going to be majestic. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That, with a trumpet call, it's going to be majestic and awesome. That's, that's what the Bible is saying. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51, 52 also speaks, speaks of, a, of a trumpet. <clears throat> Here it is. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Here it is. When the last trumpet is blown, when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Amen. My friend, when the rapture happens, be ready to hear the trumpet call of God. Now, is he going to use a modern-day trumpet or an old-style trumpet? Who knows? Doesn't matter. Just be ready for the trumpet call of God. Be ready to be transformed, to be changed into the person you never thought and I never thought we could be. Listen, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says this. It says, dear friends, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has, he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know. We do know that we will be like him. All right? We do, know, we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, it says, He will take, oh boy, he will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into his glorious bodies, into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be, will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. We who are living will also be transformed. These Bible verses are talking, are talking about a, a metamorphosis, 
a metamorphosis, like, like when a caterpillar turns into a beautiful butterfly. My friend, get ready. Get ready for the trumpet call of God. Get ready for the greatest, most extreme makeover of your life. Some of you probably like that television. There's a television program that gives people a makeover, and some of you probably like it, right? Well, each one of you, I mean this sincerely, each one of you looks beautiful, men and women, all right? There's beauty in each person, all right? Thank you. Thank you for that applause, all three of you. All right? Each one of you looks beautiful in my eyes, but I look, I look forward to the day when I will see, when I will see you with Christ's extreme makeover. Extreme makeover! <clears throat> so someday, those of you who sometimes make fun of my little bald spot on the top of my head there, okay, I don't, I don't know. The Lord might say it looks so beautiful, he might just leave it as, he is, as it is. But who knows, he might do something about it so that some of you won't make fun of it anymore. It's okay, it's okay that you do make fun occasionally. All right? The bottom line is, get ready for Christ's, Christ's extreme makeover. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know what? It can happen in this generation. In this generation. Let's get back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, where the last part of verse 17 says, Then we will be with the Lord forever. This is point D for those of you making, making notes. Then we will be with the Lord forever. How? Latter part, verse 17. Where will be with the Lord forever? Well, we're going to be in heaven. That's where, in heaven. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, he said, There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That's what Jesus said. You know, the hymn writer, the hymn writer beautifully says, Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Amen? Another verse. Another verse says, Onward, onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold. Oh yes, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. We'll sing and shout the victory. My friends, the rapture events will be exciting and incredible. 
Make sure you will be ready. Make sure you are ready for the rapture by repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And let us make sure that we do uh, as he wants us to do, and that is to live a holy, godly life. Amen? Before we continue into 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18... I need to say the following. Some of you might be asking the question, Pastor, from the Bible verses you have just been teaching from, it could sound like Christians won't get to heaven until after the rapture because 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 says, for when the trumpet sounds... Those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. That's what it says, right? And then 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 says, Then together with them, those who have died, those who have fallen asleep, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then, then we will be with the Lord forever. All right, does this mean, does this mean when we Christians die, we will remain in the grave and not get to heaven until after the rapture? Okay, now, please listen carefully, listen carefully. I believe that when we die, our soul, our spirit, the essence of what we are, immediately, immediately goes to heaven. I say that on the basis of what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, the King James Version there says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be, absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, the Living Bible version of that same verse says, and we who are not afraid but are quite content to die, for, for then we will be at home, we will be at home with the Lord. All right? The New Living Translation of the Bible puts it like this. It says, this is 1 Corinthians 5.8. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. At the time of the rapture, your transformed body and mine our transformed bodies will miraculously will miraculously be reconnected reconnected with your soul and spirit in heaven and then our soul and spirit and our resurrected bodies will be with the lord forever did you get that all right by the way there's a story, there's a story 
of a little boy in a Sunday school class in which the teacher said, um, teacher said, how many of you want to go to heaven when you die? Everyone in the class raised their hand, except for a little boy at the back of the class. The teacher went to that little boy and said, son, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? The little boy said, oh, when I die, yes, but I thought, I thought you were getting up a load to go tonight. <laughs> he said, uh, teacher, I don't want to go tonight. Anyway, anyway, some of you just didn't get it. <laughs> okay, let's go to our second beautiful, fantastic main truth in this message. The second main truth is this. The promise of the rapture can encourage and comfort you. Yes. This truth comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, which says, it says, let me just uh, get it here. So, encourage each other with these words. All right? Encourage each other with these words. That's the New Living Translation. Many other translations, uh, like, like the NIV, New International Version, say the same thing. Now, some Bible translations use the word comfort, okay? Comforts, for example, the King James Version says... Uh, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The New American Standard Bible translation also says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. What does 1 Thessalonians 4.18 really mean? Well, I like how this particular author puts it. When I was doing some research reading, I came across this. And he says this about 1 Thessalonians 4.18. He says, in this verse, verse 18, Paul appeals to you and me, to you and me, all right, to encourage one another with the truths about the rapture. The fact that departed Christians and living Christians will be caught up to be with Jesus forever is a solid reason not to grieve hopelessly, but to anticipate a grand reunion with fellow Christians in the presence of Jesus. He says, when we are reunited with Christ, pain and suffering will be over. Our bodies, which now age and, de and deteriorate, will become imperishable. Death will have lost its sting. Our bodies will be glorified, just as Jesus' body is a glorified body. Joy will last eternally. We will live eternally in a place Jesus promised to prepare for us. All of the stresses and strains of earthly life will be gone. Taxes, say amen. amen. Taxes, breakdowns, bills, accidents, tornadoes, floods, hail, infestation, COVID, and all other calamities will cease to exist. We will never again be victims of crime or fraud. Eternal joy and pleasure will delight our hearts in God's presence. 
There is encouraging news, and that is encouraging indeed. Therefore, my friends, comfort and encourage each other with the promise of the rapture. Amen? Amen. All right, all right. Let me take you now to this third marvelous truth. And then the, the, the question is, number three, when will the rapture happen? Some of you are thinking, oh, you know. No, you don't. All right? When will the rapture happen? The answer is we don't really know. But I believe, I believe it will happen soon. Soon and very soon, as the song says. Okay, watch this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 reads, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write, to write you. For you know quite well, you know quite well, that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And then elsewhere in our Bible, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 36, it says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And Matthew 24, verse 42, says this, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know, you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You know, sometimes people will give you a specific date when the rapture will happen. I mean, I, I've seen that occur over the years, over the last 20, 30 years. I've seen, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so or such and such a group said, okay, the rapture's going to happen on that day. You better get ready for it. When people give you an exact date, don't believe it. Don't believe it. No one knows. No one knows. Okay? Follow me on this. In the future, stick with me now. In the future, there is going to be what is called the tribulation, T-R-I-B-U-L-A-T-I-O-N. Okay, there's going to be the tribulation. It's a seven-year period of terrible troubles on earth. Because, because of COVID-19 going on for so long, almost two years now, some people have wondered if the tribulation has actually started. Well, the reality is there have, been, there have been many other pandemics and plagues in history. Experiencing COVID-19, it has been terrible, but experiencing COVID-19 does not mean, it does not mean the tribulation has actually started. The tribulation is spoken of in the Bible in places like, like Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And some people would also say it is spoken of in Matthew 24, verses 3 to 28, as referring to the tribulation. All right? The tribulation <clears throat> is going to be a seven-year period of worldwide major troubles 
but will center around the Jews and Jerusalem. From our Bible in the book of Daniel, we, we discover that the seven-year period will begin when an evil world ruler known as what? The Antichrist. The Antichrist gets a major treaty signed involving Israel and other nations. Now, halfway through the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist will commit what is known as the abomination of desolation. An abomination is something that causes disgust and hatred. Uh, desolation is a state of complete emptiness or destruction. What exactly will be the abomination of desolation, no one knows for sure. All right? No one really knows. Now, please just continue to follow me a little bit on this. The main, the main reason I told you about the tribulation is because there are three main ways of interpreting the Bible as to when the rapture of Christians will happen. Here are the three main interpretations from the Bible as to when the rapture will take place. Interpretation number one, pre-tribulation, meaning the rapture will occur just before the terrible tribulation begins. Interpretation number two, post-tribulation, meaning Christians will go through the tribulation and the rapture will occur <clears throat> at the end of the seven years of the tribulation. Interpretation number three is called mid-tribulation, meaning the rapture will happen in the middle or sometime during the tribulation. All right. Some of you, some of you who have studied the Bible on this subject might be inclined to phone me or send me an email saying something like, uh, you know, the rapture will happen, Pastor Nick, pre-tribulation. Some of you might end up wanting Wanting to call me up and say, you know, I heard, I heard a prophecy expert and he or she said the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation. And so that's what's going to happen, Pastor Nick. I just got to straighten you out. Uh, others of you might want to contact me and say that, you know, you have studied the issue or you heard Reverend so-and-so or Dr. so-and-so on television or you read such and such an article and you believe the rapture will happen post-tribulation or, or mid-tribulation. Well, I, I want you to know, I respect very sincerely, I respect the preaching and teaching 
of other ministers, of other professors, of other teachers, Bible teachers. I respect them greatly. All right? I have respect. In the Church of the Nazarene, we don't, we, we don't say that you have to believe, you, you know, we don't say that you have to believe the rapture will happen pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib to be a good Christian. All right? You can take your choice. From the viewpoint of not wanting to see Christians suffer through the tribulation, I hope, I hope the rapture happens before the tribulation. Maria? Okay? I hope it happens before. Quite frankly, quite frankly, I wish no human being would have to go through the tribulation. It's terrible. However, no one can be certain, as best as we can actually read and interpret all the Bible passages about this subject, no one can be certain if the rapture will happen pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. And by, by the way, if, if someone has a different opinion than you do as to when the rapture will happen, simply respect and appreciate their opinion. There is no need to argue about it. When the rapture happens, then you'll really know. Then you can say, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Um, on this subject, on the subject of uh, pre-trib, Pastor Lisa, on the subject of pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib, uh, I, I have tried to be as honest with you as, as I, I can be, okay? Uh, speak, speaking of honesty, la last night around 7.30 p.m., I stopped by our son's home to just drop something off, and at that point, uh, our son was putting his little two-year-old son, boy, to, to bed. He was up in the bedroom putting him to sleep. But his four-year-old uh, sister, Everly, uh, came to the door, and I said, hi, hi, Everly. I, I said, you're going to have to go to sleep real soon. Can I just read a, can I just read a, a story to you and pray with you before you go to sleep. So she sat down on the couch with me uh, in the living room. She sat down on the couch and uh, I read her a story and, and then uh, I, I said to her, I said, you know, Everly, Everly, I haven't, I haven't seen you and your little brother for, for so long. I have, I've hardly seen you all week. And Everly, I have missed you. I've missed you so much, sweetheart. And then I said, have you missed me? And, uh, and she said, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, said, I said, well, Everly, it, it, it's nice that you're honest. It's nice that you're, you're honest. But, but I hope as you're growing up, you, you, you're not brutally honest. <laughs> and then she says, she says, Dad, though, what, what's brutally mean? <laughs> well, try to explain, explain the word brutal to a four-year-old, okay? <laughs> try to explain it. A anyway, anyway, um, all I'm saying is I, I'm just trying to be honest with the various interpretations of pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib with you, okay? Let me make it clear, my friends, let me make it clear that the rapture, stick with me now, the rapture is different from the second coming 
of Christ. In the rapture, Jesus will descend from heaven and meet up with Christians in the air and take us into heaven. Jesus at the rapture won't even land on the earth. The second coming of Christ will actually happen sometime after the tribulation when Jesus will descend, descend to earth and set up his kingdom on earth. Okay? Whenever the rapture happens, my friends, whenever the rapture happens, let us be ready to be as 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 17 and 18 say. Let us be ready to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So, encourage each other with these words. Question. Question. Are you ready? Are you ready for the rapture? Anthony is going to play that beautiful hymn, Just As I Am. And those of you here in the sanctuary, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to step forward to the altars of the church. I want to invite you to step forward. And I want you to pray with me. For some of you, you haven't been ready. Some of you, haven't, you're, you're not ready to meet the Lord. You're not ready for the rapture. This can be the time for you to get ready to meet the Lord, ready for the rapture whenever it will happen. Viewers online, if you're watching in your living room, wherever you're watching from, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to pause and pray with me in a moment. Kneel, kneel at your couch or your bed, whatever. Kneel and prepare to, to reach out to the Lord to make sure that your heart, your life, is ready for the rapture. And those of you in the sanctuary, as you come forward, please, I want to ask you to just remember we're still in the COVID times, so we have to keep six feet away from each other. All right? So there can be three or four on that side, three or four in the middle of the, in the middle in front of the pulpit here, three or four on the other side. Just, you got to keep, keep the distance. Keep the distance, please. For some of you, this can be the time as you, as you pray this prayer with me, that you're going to be ready. You're going to make yourself ready spiritually for the rapture. Others of you, others of you, you're already Christians. You're already followers of Jesus. I want you to come forward as well. I want you to come, and I want you to say, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I, I'm ready for the rapture because I have put my faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So would you just stand, church family, would you stand? Would you stand here? Yes. All right. Anthony, continue to play. Those of you who wish to come, come. Just step forward. Step forward. Step forward, church family. Step forward. Step forward. Come forward. Come. 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 Come and just say, Lord. Lord, I'm going to pray this prayer with the pastor. Just step forward. Those of you who are already Christians, you just come and just say, Lord. I'm glad I'm ready. I'm ready for the rapture.
Yes. Come, come. Others of you, you need to make your peace with God today. You need to, you need to repent of your sins and begin to put your faith and trust in Jesus. All right. Come, come, come. Dear Lord, I, I pray that you would now hear, hear the prayers of your people, those in the sanctuary here, those watching online. Yes, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the rapture whenever it comes, whenever you come to take your people out of this earth into heaven. So my friend, if as yet you have not made your peace with God, would you pray this prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And on this day, I repent of my sins. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me. I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Yes, yes. I dedicate my heart, I dedicate my life to Jesus. I want to be ready for the rapture whenever it happens. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And now, Lord, in celebration, in celebration of my faith and trust in Jesus, I want to receive the Lord's Supper. I want to celebrate my faith by participating in the Lord's Supper. Yes, Lord. I am yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.